So, <laughs> welcome to the Multiverse of Badness. I'm your host, Mike. We've been turning comic book lemons into podcast, well, podcasting lemons for almost a year now. And with me, of course, today is the Welsh Kevin Smith without the oversized hockey jerseys and $20 million in the bank, but he's podcasting from a room clocking in at a cool 35 degrees Celsius, which is 95 degrees Fahrenheit for us knuckleheads here in the United States that don't really use the metric system. Please welcome Zach. How are you today, buddy? I, uh, just to address the Kevin Smith comparison, I do also love myself, so I can see where you're coming <laughs> from there. I'm okay, Mike. Thank you very much for asking. It's been a very hot week here in the UK, which is uh, something that doesn't happen. Swansea, for example, always rains. This week, it's been Mediterranean. I fucking hate it. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... For those that don't know, of course, Zach lives in the UK, particularly Wales. But the biggest issue is, and I'm saying this for my United States friends who are used to having central air, a lot of buildings in his locale do not have central air because they generally don't need it before this year when shit is just going off the fucking rails. It's <laughs> but luckily, we do have a way of staying cool, Mike. A very, very, very cool way of staying cool, and that is with a cool comic book, which is what I've brought to the table for you today in the shape, the big, green, angry shape of the Incredible Hulk 222 from 1978. <laughs> That's right. We are going to review from 1978 Hulk number 222. And this is a wild one because we are introduced to a villain we never see again. He's pretty imposing, but more importantly, yeah, there's no more important to it. More importantly, this is a really bad comic book. <laughs> so I guess we'll go ahead and start. I'm going to at least reference the first splash page here, which is just the Hulk drooling. Like he's got rabies or something. It's amazing. He's got T-Rex arms. Like honestly, a <laughs> lot of... So this book was uh, co-written and drawn by Jim Starlin. As in Jim Starlin who brought Thanos, all of that nonsense into Marvel. It's not his best work. Obviously, I appreciate <laughs> there's a lot of crunch in comics, but still, come on. You know how arms look, and that ain't it. <laughs> well, you know what always happens at the beginning of almost every Hulk comic, at least the ones we reviewed? He is fighting the United States Army, and they never seem to have an answer for this big green guy, but for some reason, they're like, hold up, we gotta stop hitting him with all our artillery. There are two kids on the battlefield! <laughs> it's great, because like, it starts, as you say, mid-battle, in the desert, Hulk versus Army, very, very standard fare for the Incredible Hulk, but boy, oh boy, Mob Squad, this is going to take a real sharp turn real quickly. <laughs> now, yeah, we've got wreckage everywhere. The Hulk, he's standing there, he's saying, you don't come near me, Army, and I will leave you alone. And then for some reason, just attacks. Uh, you get the fighter jet flying through, and the panel of the moment the fighter jet spots the two kids on the battlefield, it, it's just terrifying looking. Like, he's got zombie eyes. His eyes are, like, completely white almost. <laughs> well, the Hulk doesn't know about these children. He keeps fighting. The army hits him with a gas bomb. Hulk tries to jump away, and he kind of sort of jumps away, but somehow or another, the kids which were on the battlefield, they beat the Hulk, as they say in the book, remarkably to his destination. The... <laughs> 
I love the moment when you've got the army shooting the gas bomb out of the bazooka. Although, like, do they have communication? Because someone has just called out on the radio, call off the attack, there's kids. And these two chuckleheads are like, let's just bazooka a gas bomb over there. But the moment, uh, the last panel on page six, as Hulk ascends into the sky, full Christ pose is fucking brilliant. <laughs> Very biblical feel to his ascension as he shouts, Hulk must be free. (laughs) Well, fortunately, he does get away from the army because they seem befuddled when they show up to where they assume the Hulk landed, and he is not there. But as we kind of hinted, the two children had beaten the Hulk to his destination, and when Hulk wakes up, he's no longer the Hulk. He is Bruce Banner, and he wakes up, oddly enough, beside two small children, and he is confused as hell. Oddly, he gets called by these two small children, a skinny little guy. But if you look at him, not an ounce of body fat on Bruce Banner. That guy is ripped to shit. Uh, <laughs> also, while uh, while we're on the subject of the kids, we need to introduce them properly to the mob squad. Mike, did you get the reference in the name of the two children? I'm going to assume it's the Osmonds. It's the Osmonds. It's Donnie and Marie. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, Donnie and Marie live in a cave with their little brother, Billy, who we've seen but a leg of so far, and he looks like he's like a big, tasty boy. (laughs) Big, thick boy. Thick boy. If he can drag an entire Hulk on his own into a cave somewhere, then... uh, in the Adinrondack Mountains. Adinrondack. Am I saying that correctly? Adirondack. Adirondack. The Adirondack Mountains. There we go. Always the A word, Zach. <laughs> I will challenge you to pronounce any Welsh place name. Oh, God, no. <laughs> We're not playing that game, my friend. But the, game we are, <laughs> but the game we are playing is probably cannibalism because... <laughs> In this cave, as the children are dragging Bruce Banner around to show them apparently the cave where they live, I suppose, they stumble across a cauldron with human bones beside it. Yeah, and they, like, it's just run-of-the-mill, the the most normal shit in the world. (laughs) They're like, yeah, this is just how we live. I did, uh, upon reading it, automatically assume that the children were cannibals, but there is a line later that does kind of nod to the fact that they still eat human food, and Billy, Billy may be the one who's devouring people. (laughs) Fucking Billy. Fucking Billy. The sad part about Billy is, fortunately for us, because there's not really a lot to the rest of this story, we are given Billy's backstory and how Billy ends up being cannabilly. I'll tell you how it happens. It actually happens because his parents are lazy fuckers and they let him crawl into the woods and drink radioactive waste out of a can in the woods. I think you are completely underselling this part. This (laughs) sequence is the heart and soul of this book. Mob Squad, let me hold your hand and take you through it. We are given the backstory of Billy, the little brother they call him who, at this point, we've kind of alluded to the fact he's a giant blue killing monster. Uh, So basically, like, Donnie and Marie lived with their dad, who smelt like pipe tobacco, and their mum with her glistening blonde hair, on a little farm, and everything was good. Until, as Mike says, Billy, the little fucker, 
crawls away in the woods and eats toxic waste. A fucking baby eating toxic waste is an instant 10 out of 10 on my scale. (laughs) The army take him away, I believe, the parents are worried. Mm -hmm. But when he's returned, everything changes. Everyone's, Everyone's afraid of Billy now. Cattle start turning up, half eaten. A drifter behind the house, half devoured. The family dog devoured. And yes, the piece de resistance, the cherry on the top of this horrific, uh, let me still remind you, children's comic book. (laughs) Billy, the now mutant giant baby monster, eats his own parents in the night and then wakes up in the morning telling his brother and sister they're gone forever, you can come live with me now and takes them to the fucking cave. (laughs) Ah, the cave with our cauldron and our human bones. But at this time, we hear for the second issue in a row, we hear a giant bong. But this, my friend, is much more ominous than the bong we heard from Dr. Bong. This means... It's time for our Osmond children to go to bed so Billy can eat his dinner. Holy shit. So this is what's really fucked up about the whole Billy living scenario there, Mike. I love it that basically he sends his cute little brother and sister out into the world to make a friend to bring back to the cave. And then essentially he's like, right, go to bed, brother and sister. I'm going to play with this person. And as the bong goes off and the children walk into the cave, she says, goodbye, Bruce. You're the nicest one we've ever met. (laughs) Fucking horrifying, man. This is a straight up horror story. It really is. And at this point, a Pier 6 brawl breaks out because thankfully Bruce Banner turns back into the Hulk He is in a scrum with Billy. But before we finish and find out exactly what happens in the scrum, I have to point out one of the absolute best hostess ads I've ever seen in my life. It is not for ding-dongs, my friend, but the title is Spider-Man Spoils a Snatch. And we can just let that ruminate for a while and move back to the story if you'd like. (laughs) I would like to, after the story, because the story is great, but uh, the real fun in this book I found is the adverts. And honestly, I would like to spend quite a bit of time discussing (laughs) some of them. So let's hold off on (laughs) Spider-Man's What was it, Spider-Man? Spoils a snatch. Spoils a snatch, and let's jump back into the story, because, again, there's very little left to say, apart from, oh, yes, oh, wait, that's it. When the (laughs) Hulk and Billy finish their fight, in dramatic style, the cave crumbles around them. There's a panel of the Hulk getting hit in the head with a falling rock, which is the dumbest drawing of the Hulk I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) I miss that. <laughs> it's, which is right next to my favorite onomatopoeia as well. Scradacroom! But the cave falls down and Donnie and Maria are outside and they're worried what's going to happen. This is where they live. Billy is still inside. When all of a sudden the Incredible Hulk smashes out and goes, Ha! Hulk is free. By the way, brother's probably dead. Not my problem. And runs into the fucking night, abandoning these children after killing their only source of food. It's not the best ending to a story, but maybe good things happen. Maybe they turn... You know what? Actually, Donnie and Marie look like young members of the Power Pack. Maybe they go on to become the Power Pack. We don't really know. 
I am going to keep all options and avenues open that Donnie and Marie were not just eaten by a pack of wild wolves and that they somehow <laughs> found happiness in the face of cannibalism and murder, I suppose, at this point? Oh, yeah, they at least accessories to murder. They pick out the victims for their cannibalistic mutant baby brother. Love that for a children's comic book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, I honestly, there are some banger adverts oh, yes. in this, and I would like to, uh, to discuss some for the Mob Squad. First of all, a bit of... Uh, Cultural information celebrating the transatlantic relationship that is the multiverse of madness. Uh, Slim Jims. We at, we are actually followed by Slim Jim the on Twitter. That is amazing. So I always assumed Slim Jims was a sweet, like some type of licorice thing. Ooh. Hell no. It's a fucking American pepperami. That's amazing. I'm very, very happy to know that you have... Something at least akin to a pepperami. It's kind of like a meat version of one of those chew sticks you'd give to a pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, people in the South will eat just about anything, and I can attest to that, being that I am oftentimes full of Cheetos, jalapeno flavor mac and cheese. Cheetos, follow us. You know you want to. Send us free. Uh, oh, my God. We could do a, a, a... What would the Mob Squad or the Multiverse of Badness flavor of cheeto be if we were to get a sponsorship hmm do you have something off the top of your head you know what it would be mike what it would, would it be? be strong arms that's right strong arms make all the difference this is my number two favorite advert in this it oh is. there it is strong arms <laughs> strong arms make all the difference i just did you think anyone genuinely got jacked doing the fucking $3.98 strong arm workout. Well, the thing is about it, too, is the target audience is generally not even adults. We're talking children who are probably not going to get any value of this workout. So, uh, okay, you were uh, reading comics when adverts like this were still around in comics. Did you ever buy anything out of the adverts in a comic? I do believe that I bought one time one of those little miniature spy cameras that supposedly in theory worked, but it did not. But I'll tell you what I wish I would have bought and bought and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I wish I would have bought. I'll tell you what I wish I would have bought is this electronic lie and a love detector for $5.95 on page two. Not only a lie detector, not only a love detector it is the Grand Slam of Detection. The Pretty Grand awesome. Slam. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's a good idea for a product, but they could have come up with a catchier name. Like the Cheetah Finder 5000. That's <laughs> pretty honest. Oh, shit. Check this thing out. 100% genuine natural diamonds, a quarter to three carats from only $5.95. Notice the from only. From only. No, that one is a great, another great one. And this is a full page advert, is the exclusive offer, Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew t-shirt. And they've got three t-shirts where you could easily have had Hardy Boy, Hardy Boy, Nancy Drew. But it's two Hardy Boys, Hardy Boy, Hardy Boy, purposely says Nancy Drew, not shown. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone that actually wonders, one of the Hardy Boys is... Sean Cassidy, who is famous for an album in the late 70s. Go check it out. He is adorable. And on that note, would you like to explain 
Spider-Man's spoils a spoon or whatever it was called to the mob squad. Well, in this issue, there are a bunch of bald-headed guys in orange suits that have apparently stolen the Cope Emerald that Mary Jane cares about. She tells Peter Parker for no good reason, like he's going to do something. She doesn't know he's Spider-Man. Somehow he turns into Spider-Man, throws hostess cakes. They all run around, eat the hostess cakes, and he ends up roping one of them. I guess the rest of them got away, and that's the end of it. No, no, no. You fundamentally misunderstood this amazing piece of American Oh, did I? I apologize. He, uh, there was one bad guy, but he could multiply himself, so he was causing confusion. Oh. And Spider-Man thought, the only way that I can solve this is chucking hostess cakes on the floor, because a human cannot resist hostess cakes. Uh, as you could tell, I did not read this. Fortunately, I read the comics better than I read the adverts, but I must confess, I was completely smitten with the title of the advert, which is why I mentioned it in the first place. Why, why, why are you so smitten with the title, Mike? Is it your favorite? <laughs> is it your favorite British gangster movie, Snatch? I think it's actually the term to the victor go the spoils. Ah, well played, sir. Well played. A bit of verbal chess. <laughs> <laughs> So on those notes, I guess we are done reviewing not only this comic, which actually didn't take as long to review because there's really not a lot to it. If you want to boil it down quickly, Zach, boil it down in 50 words or less. Okay, not a lot to it, question mark doesn't count. You dumb schmuck, that's three. This book (laughs) was fucking awesome. It had cannibalism and cave children. That was less than 50. I think it was 18. That's pretty good, dude. <laughs> High score, so, dude. <laughs> Calabunga. <laughs> so with that said, it sounds like we're already onto the review segment of this. How many of something would you give this, and what would that something be? I'm, I'm going <laughs> to rate this on half-eaten drifters found behind the family barn. <laughs> How many you got, mate? Fucking give me 17 <laughs> out of 5 on this one. I love this. <laughs> you went all fucking serial killer style. 17. <laughs> Half-eaten homeless drifters, I believe. Dude, I'm a fucking well, horror hound. This literally scratched a niche for me. It was brilliant. <laughs> you know what? I initially read this and I had fun reading it. I wouldn't say it was good. I had fun reading it, but I actually had a lot more fun reviewing it with you. So I'm going to give it a higher score than I intended. I'm going to give it a four out of five, and I'm going to give it child accomplices to cannibalism. (laughs) See, another point of why this book is so fucking great. Now, don't get me wrong. I do want to reiterate that the art is hot, wet horseshit at times, (laughs) like the proportions of the bodies. But it, it's got some of my favorite bonky Hulk drawings that I've ever seen, and they're all crammed into one single issue. But it's just the themes and the fact that it starts as your bog standard Hulk versus <laughs> army in the desert and takes a sharp left turn to two children who live in a cave and have to get people for their cannibalistic brother to eat so that they can survive too. Well, the one thing I also wanted to mention about being lazy in this is you mentioned the Automatopoeia, but they were actually pretty lazy with them because I'm going to review several in this one. One of them is Scrocroom. Another is Karoom. Another is... Scrack- <laughs> was it Scrack-a-doom? 
Yeah. Scra Scrack a doom. No, scra dark room. It is scra scra dark room. Fuck, that's also my email password. I shouldn't have said that on the podcast. <laughs> well, they're gonna have to know the capitalization of those letters, so I think you're safe. Luckily, I won't tell them it's all capitals. Shit, I oh, shouldn't have said that on the podcast. Of course it is. It's a fucking onomatopoeia. It's gonna be. You never see them in lowercase letters, do you? Oh, that would be creepy. I think it'd be really unsettling. Not nearly as unsettling as these little cannibal bastards in here, but besides that, <laughs> we've gone off the rails with the onomatopoeia. So let's go ahead and bring, and I've gotta let you go first because. Your sick, twisted mind's gonna have a good time with these little fuckers. Tell me how you would bring something of this into the real world slash something else. Uh, completely remove it from the Marvel Universe. Uh, I would love to read this as a, like, the, the story of Billy and his brother and sister and, like, the family farm and stuff. Stephen King to write that story for me. Just write it as like, I don't know, he can go up to 1,400 pages, I'll give him. <laughs> I'll read it all. Uh, I think, yeah, like something, like along those lines, I want to see that fleshed out as like a full story. I want to know what it was like when he came back from the hospital and his parents' thoughts and fears as everything started getting eaten around them. What I want to know from that, because as you mentioned, he came home from the hospital did they just try to send him back to school? Can you see him crammed in a small desk trying to learn children <laughs> things? blue bastard. He looks like Dinosaur Superman from Jurassic League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is what I would love to see part of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm all down for that. <laughs> so yeah, um, that, that would be my, my pitch, would be uh, <laughs> Dinosaur Superman from Jurassic League as the main protagonist <laughs> in a Stephen King novel of up to 1,400 pages based on the core themes of this book. All right, well, what I want to see is Donnie and Marie actually escape the situation they're in, go off and become singing stars <laughs> by day, but at night they hunt the streets with their brother Billy, who escaped from the cave, hunt down homeless drifters and let him dine on the entrails as they take pictures. I'm not too proud to admit I had to Google if there was a Billy Osmond and if this book was like a big <laughs> slam on some motherfucker, but unfortunately there isn't. There is? No, there's not. That we know of. That we know. Oh my God. That would explain why all the Osmonds live in a cave. <laughs> and that would explain why they have big teeth. It's for cannibalism. So finally, <laughs> that was Donnie Osmond's catchphrase for a long time. It's for cannibalism. <laughs> hey Donnie, why have you got that big knife? It's for cannibalism. <laughs> well, of course it is. What else would it be for? Singing, obviously. He's a singer. Yeah, I guess so. But he's only a singer second to being a cannibal. So with that, allegedly, said, we've gone, we'd okay. also like to sorry just to, allegedly just to cover our everything. Asses. Exactly. Everything we've said <laughs> in this episode is either alleged at worst or parody at best. Okay, we need to stress Satire that. at best. Yeah. Satire. We can't stress those words enough. <laughs> we are satirical reviewers of nostalgic pop media. We do not mean any liable in what we say when we say allegedly the Osmonds live in a cave and are cannibals. <laughs> so I think <laughs> we're done reviewing and protecting our ass. So we need to move on to the end of this episode, which of course, if you've been here more than once, you know, includes me telling you to visit us on Twitter at Multiverse of Bad, 
on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at Multiverse of Badness. And you can reach us via text or telephone, one 399 But there are better ways you can reach us, and they include ridiculous emails that honestly come to us. And if you send them to us, we will read you and your email unless it will get us in legal trouble or unless it's too dirty on our podcast. So, Zach, can you tell them how to reach out via email? You can reach us at... Babies drinking toxic waste at multiverseofbadness.com. You can reach us at, there's an ad in this book that says, be taller at multiverseofbadness.com. And you can reach us at the Hulk taking away the only means of food for two young children and Hulk the, Hulk the Avenger, you know, from the Avengers films that you like so much, that Hulk, right? Taking away the means of food for two small children can't be older than 10 uh, you know maybe between 10 and 6 the incredible hulk taking away the food source for for very young lonely orphans and running into the night like a bastard at multiverseofbadness.com <laughs> yes it really is a shame that john byrne didn't draw these kids because they would be in their late 30s so with that said <laughs> we are completely done with this episode zach i thank you again my friend i hope it cools down in your neck of the woods because i feel terrible for you daily but i do not feel terrible for our fans or anyone else that dares step foot into the multiverse of badness People feel sorry for me all the time.